0: Kaiju FM, your independent podcast network, whatever your interest. Come find your niche.
1: hey folks and welcome to this week's episode of the prestige podcast about films by film lovers for film lovers each week we pick a film we discuss that film we review that film and we talk about some ideas and themes that it kind of comes together and presents to us and as always we end the show with our recommendations further watching further reading if you will movies that we're inspired to think about following the movie of the week but as always we start the show with what else we've been watching, other things that uh, we've found the time for, if we have found time for anything uh, in amongst this week's movie so Sam, do you have anything else you've caught up with this week you want to talk about?
0: Yes Um, I feel like I need to uh, bring the highbrow to this show Uh, so um, this this week's is, is not a book, it's Not a piece of music It's not something to listen to It's uh, a play Um, And I went Ooh la dee da Yeah check me out Um, I went with my students this week To see Death of a Salesman um, Which they're studying So I've done it to death So I could Could Recite it backwards myself um, But it was very interesting to see a, a modern production of it And interesting take on it The lead actor Wasn't great But then his supports Were absolutely phenomenal And it was staged really well And it was is In the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester It's a great space And it was just an enjoyable day out So that's my, my recommendation for This week, it's a play from considerably before um, Hitchcock's Hitchcock series. Um, first performed nineteen forty nine, Death for the Salesman, but it it was a, a very modern production. How about you?
1: Excellent. Um, I've been continuing my Halloween Halloween rewatch or nice. watch. Um I as I think we spoke last week I caught up to episode to movies one, two and three. Mm. Um, I have now caught up with four, five, and six. Um, the I think it's the, the the return of Mike Myers, the curse of Mike Myers, and the myth of Mike Myers. So along along those lines, um, the quality has dropped dramatically from the first three. <laughs> uh, I don't want to, belie anyone on that. It, you know there are some good moments in there. You know you got Paul Rudd popping up as the uh, the lead in the four, in the sixth one. Um, which has certainly been uh, enjoyable, um, but it has dawned on me that I've got another five movies to watch.
0: Five. Um, in this 11. series,
1: yeah. So they having now delved a bit more, i have got I've got six in the original timeline, uh, one to six. Then Halloween H two O picks up after movie. I think either two or three. It's hard. The three is an entirely different world. It's hard to know about six, but it picks up in the after two. Um, and then Halloween H2O and then Halloween Reunion which comes after that so there's a timeline of 1 to 6 then 1 to 7, 8 and then 9, 10 is the the Rob Zombie reboot from the 2000s
0: Um,
1: and then there's the new one which is movie 11 which is another timeline reboot picking up after I think the first or first two films um, ignoring the actions of H2O and ignoring um, Reunion. So it's I'm, I'm literally, I've been watching this now solidly for about two weeks. Uh, I am still only just halfway through. Um, but yeah, I mean they're fun, they they are silly and they are fun They the first three are certainly the best so far in 4, 5 and 6 whilst having some some good moments to them, certainly 4 uh, 5 and 6 certainly have been scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit in terms of where they sit in terms of the uh, the wider franchise uh, so I can't really recommend them um, as standalone films but I think they're important to understand as part of it, the, if you dive into Halloween as a franchise you've got you've to gotta experience these guys certainly
0: So we are... Coming to a close On our um, mini-series Mini-season of Alfred Hitchcock Films as we Draw season three to a close Um, And our film This week is His last picture, the 1976 Film Family plot Find him and I'll pay you $10,000 That's Madame Blanche, a medium Being a master Spiritualist myself I can assure you that
1: Madame Blanche is a fake. What do we have to do for the money? Find one man. What's his name? Nobody knows. Where is he? Nobody knows. But let us go on.
0: Family Plot is, as I said, the the end of a a 50-year career of directing from Alfred Hitchcock. It is the last film directed. It's very much very different in tone to some of those we've looked at earlier. Certainly, Rope and Vertica, um, and some of the others people may know. The Birds, Psycho, um, even North by Northwest, it's different from that. Um, so, it's 18 years after last week's movie. It's made in a very different environment, cinematically, also socially. Um, it stars Bruce Stern Who have also seen in Silent Running um, And it tells the story Of um, his Cab driver and uh, His uh, psychic Slash con artist of a girlfriend And a pair of Kidnappers and jewel thieves They meet on the way And um, it's the the Coming together of these two stories Of two different couples And how the story pans out from there so, Rob,
1: what are your thoughts? I really dug this film. I really, really got on with this film. It's, I think it's very different in tone to um, the early work he's sort of put out. And it's almost in a way like someone kind of made a slight parody of a Hitchcock film. It, it, it's a, in many ways like a black comedy of a Hitchcock movie. Um, it has the whilst I enjoyed Vertigo, it was very sort of straight laced. This feels like it's, everything's turned up to eleven. It's uh, kind of mocking itself a little bit, and I really dug that. I really like um, the character. I really, I've always enjoyed uh, Bruce Dern, who plays the uh, sort of slightly bumbling but also slightly heroic hero of the piece. And I certainly enjoyed the uh, sort of the scenery chewing in, of. Um, William Devane and Karen Black as the kind of the bad guys, as it were, of the movie. Um, Yeah, I very much got on with it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was silly in the right places. I thought it had a kind of a good tension in the middle of it, um, and I enjoyed all the elements together.
0: Uh, What about you, Sam? Right, Um, it's it's always fun when me and Tyler disagree. I can see with the sort of caveat that you gave to. Vertigo last week. How this is an incredible piece of work, and I can see how it's the end of Hitchcock's career, and it's kind of bringing together all of the all the the sort of cinematic moves that made him famous, or the exceptional techniques that you have. I just didn't get on with it. It just felt very much like a TV movie, and. I mean, it, although the acting was, was at times good and, as I said, the direction was brilliant, it just... I don't know. There was... I think the thing that summed up for me is when... in To compare it to Vertigo, you have long scenes in which nothing exactly happens and you get suspense built through his chase of the woman to the graveyard. Um, There was a parallel there with a a scene in Farrow Plot where Bruce Stern walks through Gravia. And I just thought, well, I don't care. It doesn't feel like it's building suspense. And I just didn't get on with it. Uh, Especially by the end, I just thought, well... I mean, I have a higher tolerance than you for films that involve people I don't like, but I just got it's just a pair of people being horrible to another pair of people. I don't really like either of them very much. I don't know who I'm rooting for to to do worst. So, yeah, didn't didn't totally get on with it.
1: I can see you're saying that. I suppose for me this is where the movie strayed more into kind of the exploitation esque feel that I that I get on board with. Like yes, they were they were bad people, but the, 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 he he constantly had this kind of grin on his face and the moustache. It was almost kind of it was camp in his in his badness. It wasn't you know grimy and it wasn't kind of awful in his badness. You know he he they were generally seemed to be quite nice to people they're kidnapping. Um, and apart from the turn at the end in which he tries to murder, um, the, 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 the 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 psychic, he was always it was always kind of he's like almost a vaudevillian. In his his, his badness, um, and I think that's why, for me, whereas I have gone on passing, I'm not a fan of you, I enjoyed it. It, 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 it strayed more towards that dark comedy than it did kind of a bit more po-faced self-seriousness. I think Vertigo.
0: Like I suppose so, Yeah, it, it's interesting that you bring up this idea that it's it's like a parody. There were moments that it did feel very much like they were sort of. Taking shots at what made, what made Hitchcock's name. Um, I wonder what you thought about the end. Actually, this is something that, I mean, I don't know whether it really, really, really irritated me or whether I thought this is really clever and it saved the whole film for me. And i, I I'm, I'm waiting for you to convince me the wink at the end. I mean, I, I got on board with it,
1: but only because I got on board with the style of the whole film. Yeah. I think if, if if you're looking for this to be something analogous to something like Vertigo, then it's, you know, it's a knowing, it's just a fourth wall break. It's it's not going to fit inside that world of Hitchcock cinema. He says in Vertigo, as we often expected to be. You know, it isn't. All the three films we've seen so far have been, you know, preceding a march, set within that movie, set within that screen, and there's nothing else going on there. This, it had the element of turning and she winks. And she's letting us in on the joke. And we often talk over the last three movies about how Hitchcock seems to mirror in the way he makes his movies so that we as an audience experience what the characters in the movie are experiencing. Mm. So we, we, we are putting characters as they seem to. And so she's having a lot of fun. And I think even in the most serious moments of this movie – you know, when she's, she's locked up and probably going to be killed. It's, it's silly and it's a bit fun. And I think it's the perfect ending. It is that kind of, you know, wink to the camera movie. And I think we've also got to remember that like, you've got so many movies from this era. Things such as, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to think of examples, but, uh, I, um, but I'll start again. You've got movies from this era. A lot of them end what I'd call really suddenly. Mm. It kind of end on a dime like that, on a little you know, wink to the camera, a little nod, and the movie's over. Now we these days we expect it's almost like a, a much more kind of post climax scene, a post sort of the movie, and we expect it to kind of almost go out gracefully. Um, we 're back then as much more this stuff, and moved over and we 're done, so I, I liked it, but i to me it felt very much in that style of the fact that he 's got this slightly comedic pipe at all times um and it's she 's like a fake psychic he 's a real psychic, and like it 's meant to be slightly silly um, mm. so I can totally get how people don 't like it because it is it 's a fourth wall break it's certainly it's it 's hard doing comedy um mm. and that isn't his strong it isn't what he's best known for. Um, but but because I got like the whole thing, I got on board with it. But if you as as, as Sam watching it didn't get on board with its slightly silly, slightly camp nature, then I can certainly see why that wouldn't be your ending.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I suppose it's interesting to think about it in in what's happening in the history of cinema. So mid mid seventies you just had the Birth of the blockbuster, and you just had Jaws, and you think this is, and maybe this is Hitchcock putting two fingers up to Spielberg get down, and saying, "Well, I don't care. This is how I make a brilliant film." Mm. You know, I'm not going to have this huge blockbuster and bring it man-eating shark on on screen. I'm just going to have people being a bit camply. I don't know a, a bit nasty to each other. Not necessarily. It's all done with it with a wink and this this sort of almost defeat carrying the pipe everywhere. And I suppose. And see what he's doing there. I did think actually. I don't. I mean, I I talked about his direction right at the beginning. I just wanted to highlight a couple of bits of that. That. There were a couple of really good moments, and one of them was um, when the two storylines cross at the beginning. Mm. I love the way that she, that Fran walked in front of their cab, and then you immediately went in, went in with her narrative. It was like the 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 camera just shifted to her, and it was something. It was it was very. I and mean, that, that movement, the camera very obviously went in a different direction. Um, from,
1: very, from watching that, for a brief moment, I had this real high hope that it was going to be a, you know, a um, 90s indie clerk slash slacker kind of style sort of compilation movie. And we would just follow random people for scenes. And I had a brief moment of hope then that that's what we were going towards. Uh, Unfortunately it wasn't to be but I agree it it was a lovely kind of framing moment of like oh we're going here now and Mm. you
0: the
1: film kind of I don't know it almost like it shifts because I mean that was an interesting moment for me because this film does it's two things the first scene when they're doing this sort of fake seance um, clearly comedic clearly played played for laughs Uh, you've got quite broad comedy and even in the the witticisms back and forth in the car afterwards it's meant to be kind of a witty Rep our tape taping the characters. Um, and it's played for kind of humour and smiles. And then there's almost this, without even cutting or breaking, we move into another storyline, which is much more serious. It's a kidnapping. It's, a, you know, the police are involved, the FBI. It's a very different kind of movie. And I like the movie seem to work to these first two opening scenes. Like, it's both these things. It's mm-hmm. slightly comedic. It's also serious and a thrillery. And it's kind of merging those two things together. Mm-hmm. I think you're being very generous when you say that maybe it was Spielberg's reaction to everything that's going on part of me wonders whether it was a Spielberg attempt to, a, a, a um, Hitchcock attempt to kind of try and modernize you know it, it is this Hitchcock's attempt to try and do something new and try to fit in with a different market that's kind of moved away from the more traditional thrillers of his, um, mm. of his bread and butter and this is an attempt to do something else whether it's successful or not I mean I, I don't think it was the most successful movie ever in terms of um, its kind of, I mean, its, its takings. but yeah, it's got a, it's got a respectable uh, rating online, and it did win a, um, I think it won, it won a Golden Globe, as I recall, and um, so it kind of been done that, hmm.
0: Um
1: So I think it has, you know, it, it's. I think that there's an argument been made that this is an attempt to try and do something else.
0: Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, given that. So much of his career is in a very different direction. It's something that you talked about the past couple of weeks that he he can just and he has what Lucy Liu calls "fuck you" money. Now he can he can Hmm. do what he wants, and this is him and making the most of that, making the most of this cachet he's got over a fifty-year career, and just saying, "Look, you know what I've been." I've been a director of thrillers of noir of quote unquote serious highbrow cinema for 50 years and I'm just going to do what I want because what I want is is quite a camp black comedy thriller and I'm just going to put that on screen
1: mm. Mm. He, he I did can.
0: Of you no I just some of his um casting I mean, casting choices he made the people that he was considering for the roles It's astonishing to think I mean how much directorial clout he had at this point I mean he was considering Al Pacino For one of these roles And it was just a financial reason that put him off But it, I mean to, to be able to say Well I mean this is I mean it's, it's as you said It's not the greatest film It's not the most amazing film In terms of box office takings It's just a relatively small budget film and to be able to say well Al Pacino was considered for one of these parts is astonishing
1: yeah I mean that, that would be a, a very different film I think if we uh, got that version of it
0: hmm yeah
1: but no I, I think for me it was like to sort of kick off it a bit wider to talk about Hitchcock as a, a director as a whole it's been a nice bookend for me because it as much as I've enjoyed the three films up until now its degrees they've all been very much in the same wheelhouse um, through, you know, um, Pressure Garden, Rope, and Vertigo, they're all kind of, there's certainly an evolution of style among them, and certainly getting more sophisticated. Certainly the early movies, like Hitchcock, to, to Vertigo, Vertigo's a very sophisticated thriller, and very, very Hitchcockian, I suppose. Um, mm. And I was intrigued. Like, we talked a lot. About I, I was so intrigued to know where do you go next once you've made Vertigo, considered one of the best movies of all time, defining the genre of, th- of thriller. Where do you go next? And I'm so glad that he went somewhere. Mm. You know, part of me was concerned that when we were watching the Family Pot that it would be it would be a Vertigo rehash. They end up making the same movie for the rest of his life mm. because of the success. And whether you got on board with it or not, and I didn't, you didn't. Um, I think there's something to be said for a director going. You know what well, I've done. That. What's next? What's next? What, what can I go and do next? You know, because I think it's too easy to look at directors and think yeah, you got you got stuck there. You know, you look, let's not even look. Peter Jackson, who I love as a director, made some of the best movies of our generation with the Lord of the Rings movies. He went back with Hobbit, and it wasn't good. It was just like you know, it was reheated, rehashing Lord of the Rings. Mm. And you don't want that. You don't want as a director or as a, as a viewer, of a director to think well, are just making the same thing again. And it's not as good hmm. because I remember that one being so brilliant. So I do honestly have a lot of time for the fact that he's gone some with it. And I, I, you know, success is a whether it's or not is a different thing. But I just I like the fact that Hitchcock. You know what? I'm going to make a comedy. I'm going to make a black comedy in the same. You know, it's still the same wheelhouse of what I'm doing. I'm still You know, I'm not going to turn up and do you no know, slapstick broad comedy, but I'm doing something new with this that thing that I've perfect. Hmm.
0: I think actually. Ashley... I mean, as you said, it would be a very different film with Cachini. I'm kind of glad that, it, that he didn't cast Cachini, and he, this is a film with William Devane and Bruce Dern, it, it, they're not, I mean, not superstar names, they're just, it doesn't it sort of feel like a Bruce Dern film, or a William Devane film. Mm. This is a proper ensemble film, and it's a, it's a film that's not, I mean, it would be too easy if you were a director at this end of your career to say, okay, I'm going to get X big name and build a film around him or her. Mm. And he's, he's not taken that sort of, what I'd say, as an easy, easy way out.
1: Yeah, I think for me that's, that's impressive. It's something to be celebrated, even if I'm not the big fan of his work generally. I think that, 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 That's something to be celebrated to, you know, to push that even when you haven't got to.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: So Sam, do you have any recommendations for us?
0: I do have a couple. Um and I suppose they're they're linked by not being the the most obvious um version of these. Um if you say and my first one is um, if you say the Adams family, you probably think of the more recent films from the '90s and beyond, um, but I want to go back to the TV series from 1960s um, because that harm school music was really evocative for me, and I watched the Adams Family a lot when I was a kid. I don't know why it must have been replayed in around about 1990. It was just something I watched a lot, and that obscure music, particularly when it kicks in when Fran walks in front of his taxi and it becomes a completely different film. Mm. I really enjoyed that. That was evocative and yeah, it was. It, it was. It was a good moment for me. Excellent. And pleasingly, it was something that continued through the film. Um, my second recommendation. Again, not necessarily the uh, format that you expect this in. You think of West Side Story, you think about um, it's a big stage musical. Um, but I want to go back to the 1961 film, um, which shares a writer with family plots. Um, Ernest Lehman was writer with Hitchcock on this. And also the 1961 West Side Story film. Which is another one that I watched a lot when I was young, and I don't know why. Uh, My my parents had the soundtrack of it to play the record a lot. That must be why I watched it quite a lot. (laughs) Um, So those those are my two slightly nostalgic recommendations this week.
1: How about you? Well, my first thought was to go down uh, the William Devane route, because... He's been in everything. Um, And it would be a very easy um, link to to take him to any number of great TV shows. Um, If you haven't, if you you don't know um, who William Vane is, I believe you do. Check out IMDb. He has been in everything um, that is on TV and everything that is good. He was in 24, he was in West Wing, he was in anything, basically. And he's brilliant in all of them. But I haven't gone that route. I've gone two other routes. So the first one will be a no surprise to anybody who knows me or has listened to the show for any length of time. Um, Bruce Dern, who is an actor I enjoy, and is an actor I enjoy in a very particular film that I very much enjoy, and that's 1972's Silent Running. I think we have actually done an episode of it in the past, um, and I have recommended it more times than I can count. It's almost well one month during having to remove from the running because I recommend it so much. Um, it does tell of a uh, the last sort of forest in space, and Bruce Dern is its character. It is weird and odd, in that kind of seventies sci-fi um, way it can be. It's kind of weirdly hippish, hippie and kind of linked to kind of fears of science versus nature. And uh, I very much get bored with it. I just, I just really dug the film, um, and I talk about it every time I get. My second recommendation is literally just a chance to talk about a film that I love. Um, so the, the uh, sort of less, Sam, Sam isn't overly keen, um, but Blanche Taylor, who is the uh, sort of female lead, played by Barbara Harris. Barbara Harris has also been in lots of things, but her very last movie, the movie that she did um, before she uh, sort of appeared in more, was 1997's Gross Point Blank, in which she pops up as um, Martin Blank, Um, John Cusack's mum who at this point is uh, deep in dementia and doesn't really recognise who he is Um, it's a small part but a memorable part um, but essentially it's a chance for me just to to rave about that movie um, and how good Crop Blank is as a 90s comedy hitman movie Um, it is John Cusack mini driver at the top of their game game Dan Aykroyd's in it having a lot of fun as a uh, sort of another hitman Alan Arkin brings brilliant support as does Joan Cusack it is it is brilliant and if you listen to our show you should have seen it, if you haven't it, it, like, I, I would recommend this over everything I've recommended recently, over all the Halloween films go and watch Craper
0: Blank it's, it's a it's a day to note in the diary when I've actually seen both your recommendations
1: well there we go <laughs> I, th- I think mainly because I've made you watch them on the, on the, on the podcast, possibly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> but
0: yeah, go to the blank. Brilliant.
1: So, guys, that wraps up um, our Alfred Hitchcock Month. And it also wraps up Season 3 of the show. So this is the last episode of – or kind of the last episode of Season 3. The last proper episode of Season 3 of The Prestige. we we'll are gonna be back with Season 4 um, – doing some new things with that in uh, probably a few weeks time before that we are doing our sort of traditional series end show we're approaching our episode, so we do something new something exciting for that and what we're doing is a bracket we are putting together the top 32 movies as we see it um, the best movies that we've covered on this show and we're going to throw them in, uh, in a mix pull out you know two at a time and face off them and end up by going through 32 movies, then 16, then 8, then 4, then 2, and ending up with what's maybe the best movie we've covered on this show. Just a bit of fun, just to see how how those chips lie. So you can still vote on our last two movies. Um, they are still up for grabs, the 31 and 32. If you go to koji.fm forward slash bracket, you can find them there. Um, please place your votes, bloat vote early and vote often. Get your favourites up to the list, and we'll be revealing next week um, what the movies are. So we'll be doing next week we're doing thirty two movies down to eight movies next week, and the week after that we'll be doing eight down to the final one. We'll have some guests here and there. We'll have some some special recordings if we can bits and bobs to make it special. Um, till then, guys, you can find both of us on Twitter at
0: pretty podcast. You find just me at life underscore academic,
1: and you can find just me at rob kaiju.